Questions to Prime Minister Sally Ann Hart. Mr Speaker, this will be the final PMQs of this session. I wanted to remind the House of what we have achieved. More than 20 Acts of Parliament have been passed, including our National Insurance Act, that will increase the thresholds from July and be worth an average of £330 a year, the largest single personal tax cut for a decade. And our Economic Crime Act to respond to Putin's illegal war in Ukraine. And we hope by the end of the session to have passed our Borders Bill to take control of our immigration system, our Police Bill to make our streets safer, our Health Bill to reduce bureaucracy and help cut the Covid backlogs. Only today new figures show that we have already recruited over 13,500 additional police since 2019, well ahead, well ahead of our 12,000 target. Those police are already on your streets making your community safer. We're focusing on delivering the people's priorities and there is plenty more to come in the Queen's speech on the 10th of May. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others in addition to my duties in this House. I shall have further such meetings later today. Thank you, Mr Speaker. As a proud maritime nation, the United Kingdom has long relied on its coastal communities to help deliver national prosperity. But today, too many of them face shared challenges and disproportionately high levels of deprivation. Does my right honourable friend therefore agree with me that to ensure beautiful constituencies like mine in Hastings and Rye can properly unleash their full potential, a specific and targeted government strategy focusing on communities, on coastal communities is needed? And will he meet with me to discuss this? Yes, yes indeed, Mr Speaker. And uh, if she looks at the levelling up white paper, she will find uh, that it is indeed directed clearly at uh, uh, enhancing and improving the lives in our coastal uh, communities, tilting resource and attention uh, towards those fantastic coastal communities, and I will make sure that she gets a meeting with the relevant minister as soon as possible. Now comes the leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer. Uh, Thank you, Mr Speaker. I know the Prime Minister will have whipped his backbenchers to scream and shout, and that's fine. That's fine. But I hope, I hope he's also sent a clear message that there's no place for sexism and misogyny or looking down on people because of where they come from in his party, in this House or in modern Britain. Yeah. Next year, Mr Speaker, the UK is set for the slowest growth and the highest inflation in the G7. Why is he failing to manage the economy? Uh, Mr Speaker, well, let me first of all say, uh, in response to what the uh, right honourable gentleman has said about sexism and uh, misogyny, that I uh, exchanged uh, messages with the right honourable lady over the weekend, and I I repeat what I said to her, there could be absolutely no place uh, for such uh, behaviour or such uh, expression in this House, and we should treat each other, Mr Speaker, frankly, uh, with the respect uh, that each other deserves. And on on his point about uh, the... Uh, the economy. Yes, of course it is true that there is a, uh, a crisis of global inflation uh, around, the, around the world, uh, but this government is, is tackling it, uh, with all sorts of, uh, it with all sorts of ways that you would expect, Mr Speaker, helping people with the cost of their, of their energy, a British energy, uh, uh, far more, by the way, than the Labour will put in, uh, a British energy security strategy to undo the mistakes of previous Labour governments, Mr Speaker. 
but, but above all, above all, making sure, making sure that we have the fastest growth in the G7 last year, which would not have been possible if we listened, if we listened to him. And, and if we listened to him, we would have frankly never have come out of lockdown, right. uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, in, in, in July, in July, in July last year. And never forget, Mr. Speaker, that no Labour government has left office with unemployment lower than when they came. Mr. Speaker, he sounds like the comical alley of the cost of living crisis. <laughs> he pretends the economy is booming, but where there are problems, they're global. But in the real world, our growth is set to be slower than every G20 country except one, Russia. And our inflation, our inflation is going to be double the rest of the G7. Does he think that denying the facts, staring him in the face, makes things better or worse for working people? Mr Speaker, the the facts are, as the IMF has said, that the UK came out of Covid uh, faster than anybody else. That's why we had the fastest growth in the G7 last year. That would not have happened, Mr Speaker, if we'd listened uh, to Captain Hindsight. And and if he studies studies their forecast, we will return uh, to being the fastest uh, by 2024 and the fastest in 2025, Mr Speaker. Uh, That's what the IMS forecasts say. He asks about... Read it. He asks about working people, Mr Speaker. This is the government, this is the party that supports working people. Yes, yes, I'll tell you what's going up. The living wage is going up, Mr. Speaker, by record amount. Uh, employment is going up, Mr. Speaker, uh, by record amount. Uh, 500,000 more people. They don't want to hear. Let me just let me give them the figures. 500,000 more people in paid employment now than there were before the pandemic began, and youth unemployment, youth unemployment at or near record lows. Under Labour, just remind you, everybody, under Labour, youth unemployment rose by 45%. Mr Speaker, uh, this must be the Oxford Union debating skills we've been hearing so much about. Failing to answer the question... Rambling incoherently, throwing in garbled metaphors. Powerful stuff, Prime Minister. Here's the problem. It's not just his words that are complacent, it's his actions as well. The cost of living crisis was blindingly obvious months ago. But he said worries about inflation were unfounded. And he backed a tax-hiking budget. Does he think that his choice to be the only leader in the G7 to raise taxes yeah. during a cost of living crisis yeah. has made things better or worse for working people. Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, as I've just explained to the House, and I'll repeat it uh, once more, uh, this Government and our Chancellor cut taxes on uh, working people. Uh, the national insurance contribution uh, went down, uh, Mr Speaker, by an average of £330. But if he's, if, he's talking about, if he's talking about the health and care levy, maybe, he's talking, maybe that's what he's, he's droning on about. Uh, look at the health and care levy, Mr Speaker. That is what is enabling us to pay for 50,000 more nurses, uh, to pay for clearing the COVID backlogs. How tragic, how pitiful, how pitiful that the party of Bevan uh, should now be opposed to that investment in the NHS, Mr Speaker. Yes, 
Mr. Speaker, he's an ostrich, perfectly happy, keeping his head in the sand. Working people are worried about paying their bills. They're spending less and cutting back. That's bad for business and bad for growth. Working people are looking for help. But this week, millions will look at their payslip and see a tax rise with his fingerprints all over it. Does he think that his 15th tax rise has made things better or worse for working people? Mr Speaker, what we're doing for, for working people is not only lifting the living wage by the, by the record amount, uh, helping people on universal credit with a £1,000 tax cut, Mr Speaker, uh, but also cutting uh, national insurance uh, contributions, lifting the threshold so that on average people pay £330 less, Mr Speaker. But what we're also doing is taking our country and our economy forward, investing in our NHS, which is a priority for the people of this country, unlike for the Labour Party, Mr. Speaker, but also ensuring that we have record creation of jobs, Mr. Speaker, and that is what matters. High wage, high skill jobs. Half a million more. They don't care about jobs, Mr. Speaker. We do. We do. We believe in high wage, high skill jobs, and that's the answer for the economy. Mr. Speaker, it's as if he's only just waking up to the cost of living crisis. And his big idea fewer MOTs. It it actually makes the Cones hotline sound visionary and inspirational. (laughs) North Sea oil producers are making so much unexpected profit, they call themselves a cash machine. That cash could be used to keep energy bills down. Instead, he chooses chooses to protect their profits. Let household bills rocket and slap taxes on working people who are earning a living. Does he think that that choice has made things better or worse for working people? What we're doing is making things better for working people uh, than his plans would do by a mile, Mr Speaker. Uh, We're we're raising more, we're putting more to support people with their energy costs uh, than he would with his new tax on on business. Uh, £9.1 billion uh, that we're putting in, an immediate £150 cut in people's council tax. Uh, Their thing only raises £6.6 billion. And what it does, what it does is it clobbers the very businesses that we need to invest in energy to bring the the prices down for people across this country. Clean, green energy, the wind farms, the hydrogen that this country needs. And what this government is also doing, Mr Speaker, is reversing the tragic, historic mistake of the Labour Party in refusing to invest in nuclear. We're going to have every year and not a nuclear reactor every decade, which is what we've got under Labour. So they're the party of excess oil and gas profits and we're the party of working people. This Tory government's had its head in the sand throughout the cost of living crisis. First they let prices get out of control. Then they denied it was happening. They failed to do anything about it, and then they made it worse with higher taxes. Because of his choices, we are set to have the slowest growth and the highest inflation in the G7. Mr Speaker, a vote for Labour next week is a vote for a very different set of choices. We would ask oil and gas companies to pay their fair share and reduce energy costs. 
We wouldn't hammer working people with the worst possible tax at the worst possible time. We'd insulate bills to get the insulate homes to get bills down. And we'd close the tax avoidance schemes that have helped his Chancellor, where is he? Reduce his family's tax bill while putting everyone else's up. That's a proper plan for the economy. So why doesn't he get on with it and finally make choices that make things better, not worse, for working people? Mr Speaker, I can tell the right orange if I listened to him over many weeks and many years. Uh, this guy is doomed to be a permanent spectator, Mr Speaker. We have a plan to fix the NHS and fix social care. They have no plan. We have a plan to fix our borders with our deal with Rwanda. They have no plan. We have a plan to take our economy forward. They have no plan. Let me, let me tell you something. He talks about the elections. He talks about the elections in a few days' time, Mr Speaker. Let me, let me, let me remind him that everywhere you look at Labour administration, it is a bankrupt shambles. Hammersmith Council spent 20, Labour-run Hammersmith spent £27,000 on EU flags, Mr Speaker, after the referendum. Labour-run Nottingham Council bankrupt because of their investment in some communist energy plan of the kind that, that he now favours. Uh, he should apologise for it. Labour-run Croydon bankrupt, Mr Speaker, because of their dodgy property deals. And look, never forget, never forget Labour-run Britain in 2010, bankrupt because of what the Labour government did. And they said they, said they had no money left. Mr Speaker, uh, he, he looks at council tax, look at the difference between... He loves to, he boasts he lives in Islington or Camden or, or somewhere like that. Uh, he, he should contrast, contrast neighbouring Westminster, which has the lowest council tax in the country, uh, and better services too. That's the difference between Labour and Conservative across the country, Mr Speaker. Vote Conservative on the 5th of May. of Hena Town Centre in my constituency by the successful purchase of the run-down old grammar school building using the government's town's fund money this week. And would he agree that's exactly the sort of local delivery that we should be voting on in next week's local election? Yeah! Uh, I think my honourable friend is entirely right, and that is, those are the issues on which uh, people are going to be voting, and as I said, they're going to be voting for better value, uh, for uh, better services and lower council taxes, and I hope they'll be voting Conservative. Now comes the leader of the SNP, Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I associate myself with the remarks of the Leader of the Opposition and the absolutely disgusting misogyny and sexism that was witnessed by the uh, Deputy Leader of the Labour Party? And that should shame us all what has happened over the last few days. Mr Speaker, this morning the Trussell Trust confirmed that 830,000 children across the UK are being left to depend on emergency food parcels. So instead of convening a Tory talking shop at Cabinet, the Prime Minister should be acting to help those children and help families through the cost of living emergency. If he is genuinely looking for ideas to tackle this Tory-made crisis, he'd be wiser to look beyond his Cabinet colleagues, who of course know that he won't be there for very much longer. So as a parting gift, 
Here is an idea for the Prime Minister. The Scottish Government has introduced and now doubled the game-changing Scottish child payment of at least £1,040 a year, helping those families who are being the hardest hit. Is the Prime Minister prepared to match this payment across the UK to help families through this emergency? Uh, Mr Speaker, what we're doing to help families, and, uh, and of course it's important to, uh, to do everything we can to help families in, in, a, in, a, in a tough time. And that's why uh, we've massively increased the funds available to local councils to support families that are having uh, uh, a particular hardship. Uh, the, the Holidays and Activities Fund, now running at £200 million, uh, is, is there as well. Uh, we will do everything we can to support uh, families throughout the, uh, uh, this period when we're dealing with the aftershocks of the COVID uh, pandemic, Mr Speaker. But if I, if I may say so I think this is another example, uh, and you may not appreciate me pointing this out, but it is true, is another example of the vital strength uh, of our economic union and the, importance, uh, and the importance of support from the UK Treasury, which is, uh, which is what he gets. My goodness, Mr Speaker, we have children facing poverty. The Scottish Government are responding by the child payment, and by the way, it will increase again later this year, and we get nothing. We get nothing but empty words from the Prime Minister. It was plenty of desperate pre-election waffle that we heard earlier, but I'll take it as a no. There is no support for hard-pressed families. It is clearer by the day that the Prime Minister's supposed plan to fight the Tory-made cost-of-living crisis is not only non-fiscal, it's non-existent. So, Prime Minister, I'll try again. Here are three other ideas for the Prime Minister that would help families with soaring costs right now. Scrap his national insurance tax hike, reverse the Tory cuts to universal credit, and match Scotland's 6% benefits rise instead of imposing a real-term cut. Three things that will make a difference to millions of people. Has the Prime Minister come to terms with the reality that if he fails to act now, the voters will send him and his sleaze-ridden party a message by voting SNP next Thursday? Mr Speaker, we're helping families up and down the country with the uh, the universal credit. Uh, Tapey asked about universal credit. Uh, We're we're tapering it so that uh, people get uh, another £1,000 in their pockets. Working people uh, get another £1,000 in their pockets. We're helping families in the way that I I have described, uh, Mr Speaker. And just to remind the House that under this government there are now far fewer children in working uh, workless in workless households uh, than there were uh, before this government came in and that is because we believe in championing work championing employment and helping people into high wage high skilled jobs that's what counts and as for our respective political longevities well i wouldn't like to bet on him as outlasting me mr speaker or Farris. thank you mr speaker Last April, the Berkshire West Cam Service received an additional £120 million to tackle waiting times for autism and ADHD diagnoses. Twelve months on, they have outlined a general ambition to reduce delays, but have set no targets or timescales <coughs> for improvement, with some families still waiting two years for their child oh, to be ridiculous. seen. Does my right honourable friend agree that when significant investment of public money is made, people have the right to know how and when services will be improved? And would he support my campaign for a 12-month maximum wait for any family in West Berkshire seeking a diagnosis of this kind? Yeah. Uh, She's absolutely right, and uh, it's a a great campaign that she's uh, she's running 
uh, Mr Speaker, and uh, the Government is indeed providing the, the funding uh, to improve uh, autism and, and learning disability services, uh, but it's also important that people get the diagnosis, that they, uh, the assessment that they need uh, within, uh, within 12 weeks, and uh, the measures in our Health and Care Bill uh, will approve local accountability uh, for those services. Sir Geoffrey Donaldson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, the Road Haulage Association has uh, uh, confirmed that the cost of moving goods from this part of the United Kingdom to Northern Ireland has risen by 27% in the first year of the operation of the protocol. The Irish Sea border is harming our economy. It is undermining political stability in Northern Ireland. Next week, the people of Northern Ireland will go to the polls to elect an assembly. What hope can the Prime Minister give to the people of Northern Ireland that this protocol will be removed and that Northern Ireland's place within the UK internal market will be restored? Uh, I I thank him very much, and I think that what the whole House will want to uh, to support is the, the balance and symmetry of the, of the Good Friday Agreement. That's what really matters. That's a great legacy for all of us. And uh, it's vital that the protocol uh, or that the arrangements we have in Northern Ireland uh, should command the support uh, of all sides. And uh, that's what this government uh, will uh, undertake to uh, ensure. Ben Bradley. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm grateful to the Prime Minister for the additional funding and support that Mansfield has received over recent years for education and skills, for tackling crime, and for our town centres. We'll be bidding into the levelling up fund as well this spring. Mansfield residents now want to see the tangible outcomes of those capital funds for the town centre. So could my right honourable friend look seriously at how we might help accelerate the process, often lengthy process, of getting from successful funding announcement to spades in the ground so that my uh, residents can benefit from those investments? My my honourable friend is a fantastic champion for uh, for Mansfield and uh, and indeed a wider area. Uh, And uh, uh, I'm delighted that Mansfield was awarded £12 million as part of the town's uh, fund. Uh, I can't endorse any specific uh, project, but the next round is coming up shortly and will be be announced in the autumn. Caroline Lucas. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Fifty-six members of this House are under investigation for sexual misconduct, and that includes three of his Cabinet Ministers. The Prime Minister has just rightly said that there can be no place for sexism and misogyny in this House. So can he now confirm whether he considers that sexual harassment, apparently unlike bullying and lying, is grounds for dismissal under the Ministerial Code? Thank uh, you, you, Mr. Speaker. And of course, uh, sexual harassment is uh, is intolerable, and uh, it's quite right that uh, members should now have a procedure by which they can bring that to the attention of the of the House authorities. And I, and I, I think that's a that's a that's a good thing. Uh, and of course, it's grounds for uh, for dismissal. Brown. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> Financial scams have grown dramatically in recent years and are now the most common form of crime, harming millions of families every year. Most of them are enabled by online platforms such as Facebook and Google that make vast profits from advertising fraudsters. Does my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, agree with me that those companies that profit from promoting fraud should help pay the cost of fraud and that online platforms should compensate victims that they help create? And will he work with me to achieve that end? Uh, look, I have to say, Mr Speaker, to my, to my honourable friend who I've known uh, uh, for many years, I think this is typical of his creativity. We are going to uh, look at, at exactly how we could uh, make, that, uh, kind of, uh, make that kind of measure work. 
I think it's important that we proceed with care and, and get it right, and, I, and I'm going to make sure that he has a, a meeting with the uh, relevant minister in DCMS uh, as fast as possible. Vicky Foxcroft. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Hundreds and thousands of people are still shielding. They're living in fear of COVID as they know the vaccine hasn't mounted an antibody response for them, and they remain at increased risk of serious illness or death. There is hope, though, Evershield, which gives immunocompromised people 83% protection for six months. Sadly, the government hasn't ordered any of this, despite the MHRA giving approval on the 17th of March. Now, I appreciate the Prime Minister might not have all of the details to hand, so will he meet with me to talk about this life-saving and life-changing drug? I thank her very much, and I think she's absolutely right to, to speak up for those who are, who are shielding and who are, and who are anxious, and we're doing everything we can to protect and, and to reassure them. Uh, on, on Evershield, uh, I, I, we are evaluating it at the moment, but I will make sure that she has a, a meeting as soon as possible uh, with, uh, with the Department of Health. Mr Speaker, my Conservative Council in Kensington and Chelsea charges £500 less council tax than neighbouring Camden Labour. And it has four times as many bin collections. You haven't misheard. £500 less four times as many. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that everyone who wants low council tax and good services needs to vote Conservative? Do I I agree with my honourable friend? There is not a syllable with which any sensible person in this country could possibly dissent. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, the, last week, the Daily Telegraph, not, not normally a, a paper that I read, but I did read this headline that said Northern Ireland could be forced to follow EU rules on COVID tests. The Chancellor told the House that Northern Ireland could benefit from moves to scrap VAT on energy efficiency measures because of the protocol. So now the protocol's restrictions threaten the shortage of COVID tests in Northern Ireland. So can I ask the Prime Minister, the financial cost of the protocol can be measured, but the true cost in relation to VAT, to medicines, to COVID tests and damaged relationships is much, much greater. When is the government and my Prime Minister going to restore our place in the United Kingdom? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thank him very much. And there is clearly uh, an economic cost uh, to the protocol. And uh, that is also uh, now turning into a political uh, problem and, and uh, an imbalance in, in sentiment about it. We need to rectify that balance for the sake of the Good Friday Agreement on which uh, this country uh, depends. Paul Holmes. Thank you, Mr. Yeah, Speaker. Yeah, 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 yeah. By 2025, Liberal Democrat Eastleigh Borough Council will have a debt of £650 million, which stands at six which stands at £6,300 for every resident in Eastleigh. Does the Prime Minister think that it is acceptable for this council to become a speculative property developer? And what advice would he give to my constituents next week to put a stop to this casino council and its profligate ways? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
uh, here, here, my honourable friend is completely right about uh, about Eastleigh Borough Council uh, and the debts they have uh, they have run up, and I can't even see the leader of the Liberal Democrats in his, in his place, uh, not even not even delivering value for money for his own constituents, Mr. Speaker. Speaker, the cost of household food bills is set to rise by £271 this year as prices soar. The supermarkets are lowering their prices to help customers struggling to buy food. And the Resolution Foundation have reported that 1.3 million low-income Britons will be pushed into absolute poverty by the cost of living crisis. But this government is doing nothing to protect people who are struggling. If the supermarkets are stepping in to protect people's pockets, what will the Prime Minister do? Uh, What we've done just in the last uh, few months is put £22 billion in uh, to help people with with the cost of living. But I want want to, 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 to pay... Uh, tri- tribute and to, uh, to the, uh, those businesses which are now trying to protect uh, consumers from uh, the impact of the, glo- of the global inflation crisis. And the fact is that many, many businesses now do have the, the cash reserves, not to take prices, uh, as they put it, uh, but to shield consumers from the impact, and I, I hope that they do so. Strike. Mr. Speaker. Mr Speaker, I've recently been contacted by my Ukrainian counterpart, the chair of the Ukrainian Treasury Committee with some ideas as to how we can further tighten the screw on the Russian economy, particularly through the international tax regime. And I was, of course, able to affirm the full support of the Ukrainian people from right across this House. Uh, and also, uh, the uh, gentleman concerned, of course, knows the work that my honor- right honourable friend has done to promote uh, sanctions internationally. But would he consider meeting with me to consider these uh, new proposals that are being brought forward so that we make sure no stone is unturned in facing up to Putin's vile regime. Yeah. Yeah. I thank my, my right honourable friend uh, for what he has been doing and what the, his uh, select committee has been doing uh, in this area about tightening the screw on Putin's uh, regime. And uh, I think that uh, UK companies have, have already shown that they uh, think very carefully about uh, investments uh, uh, doing business with Putin's Russia. Uh, we put a ban, as he knows, on all new outward investment uh, in uh, Russia, Mr Speaker. But I'm, I, I'm very happy to make sure that uh, further ideas uh, from my, my honourable friend uh, should be uh, transmitted to the government and uh, to have the, the meeting as soon as possible. Jeff Smith. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Last night we learned that the Home Secretary put the member for Wakefield on an expert panel offering advice on sexual exploitation. At the time, he was under a police investigation following following allegations he assaulted a minor for which he's since been found guilty. He sat on this panel long after the Conservative Party had received a complaint from his victim. Isn't the Prime Minister ashamed that his party didn't take the victim seriously? and put someone who abused a minor in such an important position, and does he wish to take the opportunity to apologise to them? Uh, Mr Speaker, I believe that the Home Office has already made uh, a statement about it, and if there's any uh, further comment to make, uh, uh, they will be making a statement. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, Newcastle Underline Borough Council has secured millions of pounds of government investment for our high street. But we do have a problem with persistent antisocial behaviour on the high street. And so, therefore, would my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, welcome the recent appointments of a new Chief Constable for Staffordshire, a new Borough Commander for Newcastle, and the fact that Newcastle will get its own dedicated response unit? And will he also set out what further measures the Government is taking to combat crime and antisocial behaviour? Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I thank my honourable friend, who is a, 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 an avid champion of his constituents, and uh, he and, and, and well, well, wait and see. Uh, and Mr. Speaker, uh, I can tell him. I can tell him. I think maybe he missed what I, I said earlier on. Uh, but we're now running at 13,576 13, uh, more police on the streets of this country as a result of the actions uh, taken by this government, and tougher sentences as well, Mr. Speaker, opposed uh, by the party opposite. Uh, Cracking down on drugs gangs, Mr Speaker, uh, when that party is soft on drugs. I think the Leader of the Opposition said he would decriminalise. Uh, he, he, he didn't want people with Class A drugs to face, uh, face prison sentences, Mr Speaker. I, th- I think I heard him say that. And, of course, cracking down on cross-channel uh, migrant uh, gangs, Mr Speaker, on, on, on people who risk the lives of migrants in the, in the English Channel. We're cracking down on them, uh, and as far as I know, uh, they would scrap the agreement, the, the economic and migration partnership are with Rwanda, Mr Speaker. We have a plan, they don't. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Four and a half million people pay for their gas and electricity using a prepayment meter. Yeah. They already pay more for their energy than direct debit customers, and the number of people who are disconnecting themselves because they've run out of money for the meter is increasing. What is the Prime Minister going to do to ensure that all of our constituents have a right to light and to warmth? Mr Speaker, we are working with Ofgem and all the companies to ensure that uh, we protect people uh, in this this difficult time. But uh, what we're also doing is making sure that we uh, support people, uh, not just with the cold weather payments, uh, the winter fuel payments, uh, but making sure that through half a billion pounds more to councils, uh, we look after people. And this will be the the types of people that uh, the right honourable gentleman is referring to, uh, who are are finding it uh, particularly tough. Uh, We will do everything we can to shield the people of this country uh, as we get through the aftershocks of COVID and deal with a, a global inflation problem. Ben Deborah. Uh, within the last hour or so, it's uh, been reported that some 287 members of this House have been sanctioned by the Russian state. Now, I'm sure nobody here is rushing to change their summer holiday plans, but perhaps the Prime Minister will uh, assure us that he will continue his excellent relationship with President Zelensky and continue to provide the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian military with the support that they need. Uh, well, Mr. Speaker, I, I, it's no, uh, I think, no disrespect to those who haven't been uh, sanctioned uh, when, I, when I say that all those 287 should be regarded as a badge of honour. Uh, uh, and uh, what, we, what, we, what we will do, uh, Mr. Speaker, is keep up our robust and principled support for the Ukrainian people and their right to protect uh, their lives, their families, and to defend themselves. That, that's what this country is doing, and that has the overwhelming support, uh, I think, of the whole House. Final question, Daisy Cooper. Mr Speaker, today a court has found that the government acted unlawfully when its policies led to the discharge of untested patients from hospitals to care homes at the start of the pandemic. The court also found no evidence that the former Health Secretary addressed the issue of the risk to care home residents of such transmission, despite the Government insisting at the time that a protective ring had been thrown around care homes. The Government has once again been found to have broken the law. Will the Prime Minister apologise to the families 
of the thousands and thousands of people yep. who died in care homes in the first half of 2020? And will he also apologise to care workers for the shameful comment that he made in July 2020 when he said that too many care homes didn't follow procedures in the way that they could have? Mr Speaker, of course I want to renew my uh, well, my apologies and, uh, and sympathies for all those who lost uh, loved ones uh, during the pandemic, uh, people who, uh, who lost loved ones in, in care homes. Uh, and I want to remind the House of, how, of what an incredibly difficult time that was and how difficult that decision was. And there were, there were very, we didn't know very much about the disease. And the point I was trying to make to which she refers is the thing that we didn't know in particular, uh, Mr Speaker, uh, was... Uh, that COVID could be transmitted asymptomatically yes. in, in the way that it was. And, uh, and that was something that I, that I wish we had known more about uh, at the time. As for the ruling that she mentions, uh, we will study it and uh, we will, of course, uh, respond further in due course. Okay.